another thing too in communities of color we're often seen as the the or in friendships right people of color are seen as a strong friend right yeah um because we've had to build these coping mechanisms to to be able to handle all the crap that's thrown at us mm -hmm. so therapy gives you the space to to not be the strong person and to unpack a lot of why we feel like we need to be strong um and and work through some of the things that that really again are historical like that yeah so just go to therapy just go to therapy <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real-life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. Today, we have a very special guest, Carlene. Hi, Carlene. Um, I, I just waved to Carlene and no one can hear me wave. So I just want you all to know that I waved to Carlene and she waved back. Awesome. Um, great. Just got that out of the way. So um, I'm going to give a formal introduction to Carlene and then I'll give a little bit of an informal one. So Carlene is a licensed certified social worker in Boston and is currently transitioning to a new position as a school-based social worker at a local K through eight. Um, she has previously worked in community mental health, providing individual therapy to adults and has training in trauma-informed interventions, as well as nutrition and mental health. She grew up in Rhode Island and is a proud first-generation Cape Verdean American. She loves food, Beyonce, and astrology. Yes. What's your sign? I'm a Virgo. My oh. birthday is on Tuesday. Oh, happy early birthday. Yes. Wait, no, it was on Tuesday. Sorry, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wished you a happy birthday. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Happy sorry. Happy, happy belated. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. <laughs> so, um, it was a big one too. Yeah. The 3-0, the three, the it the three oh is a big one. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a big one. It's, <laughs> it's a big been a while one. since you've been there. Um, it's been a year. Okay. So please. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please. I'm almost at 31. So it's gonna be great. Great. It's, 30s are great. I'm looking forward I love, to continue. I love it. Like I feel I, I don't know. I'm really excited. I feel like a lot of people either like dread it or they're like, that's when you like find your true self. I'm feeling more. I'm feeling more um, the latter. Like I'm just feeling really super confident. Yeah. And yeah, I got lots of grays, and I'm embracing them, and I love mm -hmm. them. And yeah, I welcome it. That's awesome. <laughs> I need some of that energy because I found a gray eyebrow, and I was like, "What does happen?" <laughs> you were My freaking out. My hairs are so like they're like oh you want to try to brush me down like, i'm gonna come out like they're just like hello so i'm just like here we are yeah that's amazing awesome um i i wanted to just let the the listeners know i met carlene through anna sophia and anna sophia is a two-time guest Yes. to uh trish chat she's a, a favorite guest because yeah. she's always spitting <laughs> truth and knowledge um, oh yeah. Yes. So I am super happy to have you on, Carlene, and and to talk through this episode, which is about therapy. So Jess and I did an, an initial episode on therapy, and we shared our personal experiences going through um, therapy and our and our tips. 
And I think that was great. Um, where we wanted to have this episode is that we wanted a professional opinion um, and really have a conversation about therapy for folks and communities of color, because we think that that is so important, particularly with everything that's happening right now in the world, social justice related, COVID related, election related, et cetera. There's a lot, mm -hmm. too much. Um, before we jump into all of that, I wanted to ask you, Carlene, what led you to a career in mental health? Yeah. Um, so when I, when I saw this question, I was like, I really had to sit and think about it. But when I look back, it feels like it was a natural progression. Yeah. But um, I was like fighting it, I feel. Um, <laughs> but in undergrad, I like went in wanting to do international relations. I did. I did do international mm -hmm. relations, but I thought I wanted to be um, like in politics. Um, yeah. I interned for um, an organization that supported immigrants. I thought I wanted to work with immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, and then I thought I wanted to do education. Um, I did lots of like uh, jobs in education. Yeah. But like the the through line was that I really loved supporting people. And I love I was really passionate or I still am really passionate about helping others feel heard and valued. Mm -hmm. um, and that was what always stuck with me. And all of those, like, uh, those, co not careers, but all of those jobs that I took on um, or internships, like that was the part that stuck with me. So when I was in undergrad and going to graduate, I was like, what am I going to do? Just yeah. like everybody mm -hmm. else. And so I like, I was searching and searching. And then like what kept coming up was like social work programs, social work programs. Mm -hmm. and yeah in like popular media it's like so when you think of a social worker you think of like the person from department of children and family mm -hmm. like, yeah children away right so i was like why does this keep coming up but the more i i dug i found that you can become a clinical social worker and it's the same thing as a therapist mm -hmm. um so that's how i landed here awesome now that you mentioned uh, therapist, clinical social worker, you are a licensed certified social worker. Can you give us a little bit of an overview in terms of what's the biggest difference between that, a therapist, a psychiatrist? Because I think it would be important for anyone who's thinking about going down that route to therapy and trying to understand like, who do I need in my healing process? Mm -hmm. I'm super happy that you asked this question because it is, it can be really confusing. There's so many letters after people's names and we don't know what they mean. Um, so uh, it also, it can be tricky because in Massachusetts, the lingo is a little different than other states. Mm -hmm. um, but essentially right now I'm at like my, my first level of licensure means I can't practice independently quite yet, okay. but I'm taking the test on October 9th. Oh and yeah. And I'm gonna be, That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm, I know I'm like putting it in the, in the universe. Yes. I'm going to get, um, and by, by then I'll be able to practice independently, which means I can open up my own practice and see people for That's individual awesome. therapy. Should I choose or supervise other people? Um, but essentially, so I, you asked about like the difference between social worker, uh, therapist, psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I answered this a little bit earlier, but like a social worker could be a therapist if okay. they're clinically um, licensed to do so. But a psychiatrist is a medical doctor. A psychiatrist has to have gone to school, mm -hmm. um, to med school, um, oh, just okay. like any other doctor. Um, and they specialize in psychiatric care. 
so they'll prescribe typically only prescribe medications um, that are to to manage psychiatric um, illnesses. So depression meds, anxiety meds, um, also for more serious mental illness like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, so what we call psychotropic medications. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's psychologists. Mm-hmm. Psychologists usually have a PhD or a PsyD. Um, a PsyD is a doctor of psychology, um, and psychologists tend to focus more on kind of like what's wrong with a person's mental functioning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they assess how the brain works and when things maybe aren't going right in the brain, mm-hmm. um, and they'll often do psychological assessments to determine things like ADHD, learning disabilities, cognitive issues. Um, and so that's not something that social workers do. Okay. Um, psychologists have to do that has to be somebody who has um, any of those, uh, the credentials I mentioned earlier. Gotcha. So what happens if like um, a hypothetical person goes to a, a, a licensed social worker and through that process, it is determined that that person, let's say, has a bipolar disorder and it would be um, managed via a variety of different avenues, including therapy, but also some medication. What then happens? Can the licensed social worker prescribe those medications or is that only something that a psychiatrist can do? And then do the social worker and their psychiatrist work together? Yeah, those are also awesome questions. Um, so social workers cannot prescribe medication. doesn't matter what level of licensure you are. In order to prescribe medications, you either have to be a nurse or a doctor and okay. a nurse practitioner specifically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, you can, there are also psych nurse practitioners. So they specialize in, they go to nursing school, um, they take the test uh, to become a nurse practitioner, and then they can also prescribe specifically psychotropic medications. So if a person came to me and, um, I determined through my own observations and in, in um, testing that an assessment that you know they have bipolar disorder and they might benefit from medication. I would refer them mm-hmm. to a psychiatrist. The community health center I used to work at, um, they had psychiatrists in house. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would ref- I would just say you know, in the past you've taken X Y Z. I think it's a good idea for you to sit with the psychiatrist and determine what would be a good medication for you to take. Um, so social workers cannot prescribe medication. So okay. then that person, <laughs> that person would have to see both people at the same time as they're on their treatment or do you hand them off? Like, how does that work? It is, it is a handoff in that context. Okay. There are also psychiatrists that do um, ongoing therapy. Okay. They have their own private practice. Maybe they are seeing people and um, they're trained in psychology, mm-hmm. just like a psychologist would be, but they can also prescribe the medication. Um, but typically, in my experience, psychiatrists only handle med management, okay. and then they re- they they work in tandem with a psychologist with a psychologist or a social worker mm-hmm. um, to help facilitate treatment. Got it. Got it. One more question in this that just came <laughs> yeah. up. I have a friend who identifies as a psychotherapist what's the Mm -hmm. is that different than any of the ones we just said (laughs) so that's like i i am a psychotherapist okay because i practice psychotherapy so it's just an umbrella term for any it could be a psychologist it could be a a, a social worker there are also um licensed mental health clinicians and the training that they go through is, is similar to what the social workers training 
um, is there's probably others that I'm missing because mm-hmm. there's lots of like little niche, but at the end of the day, we end up doing the same thing. Got it. Psychotherapy is just what we're doing. Perfect. That I feel like that's going to answer a lot of questions yeah. for people because even me, who I've been in therapy four plus years, I still get confused and you just clarified so much for me. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's super confusing because it's all these terms that are like, like this, like that. And then like what, again, um, popular culture how they describe certain yeah. things like when you hear psychiatrists like my mom still asks me she's like do you prescribe medication like, no. <laughs> yeah it, it's you know it's it's um I know about medications I know what they do you know yeah. very um generally speaking like if you ask me about certain medications I could probably tell you yep but I'm I'm not licensed um nor is it ethical for me to give medication mm-hmm. advice um, but I, I have to have a, like a baseline understanding of what medications do in the case that a patient or a person comes to me, um, you know, and, and discusses concerns about medications. That's, that's yeah. something I have to gotcha. know. Makes sense. Wow. That also makes yeah. sense because we have some friends that have gone to see their first experience in therapy has been with a psychiatrist and it completely turned them off to all therapy because they were like, I walked in there. This person was like, this is what you have. Here's medication. And I felt like the process was too short. So I think what you said is so important for people to understand that if they are looking for some long-term care to like really delve deep into certain things, a psychiatrist may not be the place for them to start. Absolutely. That's a good point. Um, Also, another thing that I wanted to highlight in terms of the difference, social workers Ten, the, the the approach that we take is called person and environment. When we see a person, we are not only asking them about their history, we're asking about what's going on socially for you, what's mm-hmm. going on maybe biologically for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we do biopsychosocial assessments. So when someone's sitting in front of me, we're asking them, I'm asking them all these questions. Sometimes and I could be overgeneralizing here, but sometimes if you go to a psychologist, they're just going to ask you about maybe like questions about how your, your brain is working. And I'm not a psychologist, so I don't even know what mm-hmm. questions they mm-hmm. ask. But a lot of times, you know, someone might come to me and they have this short term problem that they want to work on. They're in the middle of a crisis. So I'm doing short term solutions focused therapy. What mm-hmm. are some things that we can do to help you feel better? Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes psychiatrists and psychologists are, are, they're a little bit more, um, they focus on the pathology. Mm -hmm. Um, so like what's, what's going wrong and how can we, you know, prescribe medication or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but social workers will often assess all of the different components of a person's life. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't want to say that psychologists don't do that, but Mm -hmm. from, from my, my work, I know that we, you know, like I said earlier, person and environment, so what's going on that's that's contributing? What's going on in the environment that's contributing to the behavior or the the thinking patterns, et cetera? So different approaches. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That is that cleared up a lot. 
So thank you. Thank you. I've learned so much already. There are so many different theories too. And um, clinical social workers and psychologists might learn a lot of the same theories. Like we learn about Freud um, and that approach, psychodynamic approach. There's cognitive behavioral therapy, which you may have heard of. Dialectical, there's dialectical behavioral therapy. There's um, exposure therapy. So like, these are things that psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and social workers, might all have um, an understanding of, um, but the way we get to that point and that approach might be different. Gotcha. Got it. Got Makes it. sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I want to um, shift gears a little bit and talk about sure. communities of color um, mm-hmm. because growing up, there was a lot of misconceptions in my community, I'm Dominican, um, about therapy. And Jess, I'm sure you've you've mentioned this before. From your like perspective and your experience, what are some misconceptions about therapy that exists, particularly in communities of color? Well, there are unfortunately so many. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the most common thing is that I'm not crazy. I don't need yeah. to go to mm-hmm. therapy. Because mm-hmm. again, of popular culture, it's always, you know, someone who's having you know, an intense uh, mental health crisis that seeks support. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people think that that means that you're, that something's inherently wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Um, They associate it with things like, you know, schizophrenia, or again, those like pretty intense, um, difficult mental, mental um, health challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, the most, the majority of the people that I see are it's depression, anxiety, or like a, mm-hmm. a, a crisis that's happening. Um, so luckily that's changing. I think thanks to things like this podcast that, <laughs> you know, disseminating information and you guys sharing your personal experiences and normalizing yeah. it. Um, but that's pretty much, I think the biggest thing is that, Oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was, let's unpack that. <laughs> yeah. I was one of those people. Because I went to, I was um, recommended that I go see a therapist when I was in college because I was having really bad anxiety attacks. And when I went to inside of the the therapist's office, I felt a lot of shame. Now, I didn't realize that at the moment, but I, looking back, I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment of like, I don't need to be here. Like, this is for someone who is having like a real life crisis. This is for someone who like has dealt with like death in their family or someone who's considering suicide or someone who's battling bipolar disorder. This is not for me. This is not for me and my like typical anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I was very standoffish with the therapist because I was like, this is not for me. I don't need this. Like I'm not one of those people that, that needs therapy. Yeah. And behold, it's been years and I'm in therapy. Yeah. And I feel like the, you know, for us, our communities, well, specifically mine, it's like, it kind of, um, they make jokes out of it. Like, oh, you're like, somebody said the other day, oh, you're crazy. Maybe you should go to therapy. It's like, they, they're still tying those things to like the extreme or the intense things you were just talking about. And, you know, although their intention is whatever it is, it's still, it's mind boggling to me that like, in many ways, people are still there. Um, but I can understand for some of the older generations, that's what they were taught. And, um, we have the luxury of being able to see the other side of it. Yeah. Um, so it's so, yeah, to your point, it's so important to talk about it and, and normalize it. Um, and that's why we're doing the second episode so that we can help. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and 
yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's why I'm like really excited to talk about it because um, just being a brown person, a black person and being in the field and just like we were saying, normalizing it. Yeah. Like it's just like you're going to the doctor to get a checkup. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a little more frequent, but yeah, it's yeah. the same concept. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be for the rest of your life. I think that's something that people have a like a misconception about is like, I mean, I've I've been in therapy for years, but I've also been working through many different things. Um, and I've transitioned to different therapists. But I, I see the misconception for some people that it's like, well, if I start tomorrow, that means that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be in therapy. And you don't have to do that. You can go as often as you need. It, that's such a great point. It's, it's whenever you need it, right? Like mm-hmm. you might go once or twice and be like, okay, I got what I needed. I, right. I recommend going more than that. But, <laughs> um, everybody's different, you know, and you can go to therapy for a year for six weeks, whatever's going on, it's up to you. Um, right. it, it really is. Totally. Awesome. So you, you talked a little bit about being a woman of color and mm-hmm. I want to delve into that a little bit more because you're a woman of color that's working in a predominantly white field. I saw a stat from the American Psychological Association that said that the the field of of um, psychology is eighty six percent white, um, and I want to ask like, what is it like being a woman of color working in a predominantly white field, and what is it like being a woman of color working in a field that is stigmatized by communities of color? <laughs> so two separate questions, Double but kind of in line. I know. So I, whether intentionally or not, have always been in environments where I actually wasn't um, one of the only people of color, like in terms of my my career. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I think I'm thinking it's probably more intentional. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, I'm super grateful that I can be a change agent to help normalize therapy in Black and Brown communities. Yeah. Um, it it really. I'm like, I don't want to say proud, but I guess I am proud that I mm-hmm. like was able to pass, you know, bypass the, the stigma, but also it's so powerful um, and meaningful for me to be able to break those barriers with folks. Um, especially I've, I've done, I've done therapy in Cape Verde and Creole. I've also mm-hmm. done it in Spanish mm-hmm. and being able to, to, to be a therapist to folks who maybe don't even like have the language for what yeah. therapy is in their native yeah. language has been so powerful. Um, and so it's, it's been great, um, to be able to do that, even though a lot of the paradigms and the theories are, Eurocentric and mm-hmm. and come from a white lens. Um, I take that and I'm aware of it, but then you know I do what I need to do to be able to to serve the people um, who are in front of me. Um, and so it it feels great to be able to do the work that I do. And it, I think it's so important because that's a big reason why a lot of people don't uh, seek therapy mm-hmm. is because they can't find somebody that looks like them. Yep. Hundred percent hard. And hard. while that's not always that, while that doesn't always mean that that person's going to be a good fit, like like my therapist is white, mm-hmm. um, and I was there at first. I was like, mm, I don't know about this, and then <laughs> you know, um, I, we got to know each other, and um, 
and I realized like she's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had, you know, therapists of color where I didn't connect and it wasn't a good fit, Right. but more often than not, I've heard, you know, it's really great that I was able to find somebody that was Cape Verdean or somebody that was just not white to be able to uh, understand me on a different level. Totally. I couldn't agree more with that because I think what I've been finding through people like peers that I've talked to that have been very hesitant about therapy for their own reasons, I almost always recommend for them to start with somebody that identifies with them in some way, whether it's their gender, their race, Mm -hmm. the culture, to help them like feel a little bit more comfortable. And then they can kind of play the field after that. Um, just because to your point, like one of my, my last, no, my third, I've had a lot of therapists, my therapist (laughs) in New York before we moved to the Bay was a white woman. And I, that same thing, I was very hesitant, but she was amazing. Like I loved her style. We connected. I was able to talk about my frustrations with like white culture and, you know, everything. And she wouldn't make me feel any type of way, but I think that for some people, it's really important to identify. For me, it is important now um, because of all of my identities. But yeah, I think that it does matter. It, it, the fact that you just said that, like, just because somebody connects with you or can identify with you and your identities doesn't mean you're going to get along. And I think that's super important because that's, I mean, we're all humans. Just because we're both Latinx doesn't mean we're going to enjoy our styles of communication. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there there's some research out there and I don't have the hard facts in front of me, so I don't want to mess it up. But I know that there's research that shows that there's better outcomes when the person, whether it's medical, whether it's uh, mental health, there are better outcomes if the person, the provider looks like you. Mm -hmm. So that does make a difference. Like if I can communicate with you, for me, language is huge, right? Like if you don't have to use an interpreter, to speak. Um, if you're able to understand me culturally, that makes a huge difference. Um, and I found that a lot of the feedback I got from, um, the folks that I worked with at the health center was that they just felt really glad to have someone who, who understood their culture. Um, and so that, that makes a huge difference, but it's not, it's not the only decide. It shouldn't be the only deciding factor. hundred percent. It's a big one for me. I had a, I had a, I had a white therapist and I felt there was a big disconnect because of the fact that she was white. And then when I had a therapist, I think she was Latinx. Mm -hmm. Um, she was definitely a woman of color. I was like, okay, let me tell you everything. Um, (laughs) and it worked really well. Yeah. She was, yeah. You liked her. Exactly. And I know we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this too, but like you can, I don't like to use this term, but it's the only way I can describe it. It's kind of a shop around. Like, yeah. if you don't like the person, if you don't click, like, give it, like, one more session. And if you go, you're paying your money, Yep. right? Like, make sure that you feel good. And I've done that where I've sat with the person. I was like, I'm all set. Like, that. <laughs> you're, like, writing the check as the, the session's ending. Like, <laughs> thank you. Cash um, this today. <laughs> Um, but then there have been other people where I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a chance um, yeah. to work through because whatever was coming up was my stuff. Yeah. Um, so just, just uh, working on that. That's but, a good point. But yeah. That's really important because yeah, I feel like I should have broken up with that therapist earlier, but I felt like 
but I'm here already. So let me try to make this work. Three years later. Let me try to make this work. <laughs> I'm like, did. hey, it's not you, it's I me. I saw this therapist for like a year and a half. <laughs> Damn, well, girl. Personally, like as, as the person on the other side, I always made sure to tell my clients, like, if you're feeling like we're not, if, if something's not working for you, let me know. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how we can work around it. If we can't work around it, I'm happy to refer you to someone else who might be able to mm-hmm. meet your needs. Yeah. Um, I again, I worked in a health, in a health center, so I could just refer to another colleague right then and there. It didn't right. require much facilitating. Um, but but yeah, I I also encourage people, especially Black and Brown people, advocate for your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this sort of idea that like we're experts and we know everything. So a lot of times yeah. people sitting in front of me would like, yes, me to death and then not actually like do, mm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 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 And it's like, no, I, I you're not going to hurt my feelings. Like right. I, I'd actually much rather you tell me, you know, this isn't working mm-hmm. than, than not show up or, you know, come in and not do anything. Cause you're just wasting your time pretty much. Right. <laughs> right. That's I'm, real. I always said, I was like, I'm here regardless. Like, you know, like, <laughs> here like you know what I mean not to put it so crassly but I'm gonna be here whether you come or not so it's up to you to do right you you gotta do to make it work for you yeah that's important so if you are listening and you're taking some notes key takeaway here is that you should feel empowered (laughs) to one not see a therapist if they're not a good fit for you don't be like me spend a year and a half um and then two I did make progress with this therapist though okay yeah okay just saying that okay uh and then two is um, you should also through the course of the relationship with that therapist feel empowered to tell them if something that they're saying or something that they're recommending does not feel right to you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. telling you that you have that power because I wish someone had told me that. <laughs> Passing it on. And it's it's scary again because of the way we we the way we see folks who you know, our professionals or whatever you want to call it, like mm-hmm. the doctor, you know, how many times have you sat in front of a doctor and you want to tell them something, but you're kind of afraid because you feel like they're going to judge you or whatever. Yeah. Like sometimes that, that is unfortunately the dynamic. And, um, I'm here to say like, please, we need, we, I'm including myself. We need to be more proactive right. and, and especially something that we're paying for. And mm-hmm. it can't, sometimes it's not cheap, you know, and yeah. you want to make the best of it. So. For sure. Listen to tough conversations on Trish Chat. I touch on that. Yes. <laughs> how hard it is. Um, it's hard. It is very hard. Mm-hmm. So hard. Make a list. Make a list. Check it twice. Um, <laughs> what's the song? Never mind. That's, that's an aside. Um, so we've talked about people of color and therapy. Carlene, why do you think um, therapy is important for people of color or particularly for people of color? Because therapy is important for everyone. Oh, man. <sighs> Yes. Uh, yes. People come to me and I'm like, just go to therapy. Just go to therapy. That's my, that's my solution to everything. Um, no, just kidding. But um, I, black and brown people have just faced historical trauma, like continuously mm-hmm. faced mm-hmm. historical trauma, colonization, redlining, racism, all of it, mm-hmm. right, are at the root of why so many problems occur, even if they feel like they're super um, specific to your life, like, I guarantee you some way, somehow you could trace it back to one of those um, historical situations. Um, And so 
another thing too in communities of color we're often seen as the the or in friendships right people of color are seen as the strong friends right yeah um because we've had to build these coping mechanisms to to be able to handle all the crap that's thrown at us mm -hmm. so therapy gives you the space to to not be the strong person and to unpack a lot of why we feel like we need to be strong um and and work through some of the things that that really again are historical like that it, yeah so just go to therapy, just go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's it's really complicated and um and sometimes when I sit down and think about it all, I'm like, okay, I got to stop. Cause it's, it's really <laughs> deep. Like it's deep, yeah. really, really deep. Um, almost everything you can like, it's a direct line to like slavery. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, so that's why. Yeah. It's a loaded answer, but. <laughs> no, I 100%. Um, agree with that. Just thinking about walking out of the door as a woman of color, like the things that you have to process in your mind and the ways that you have to like um, carry yourself for your own safety, which like I can't even imagine what it's like for like a black trans woman or a black man, like exactly. those sorts of things. Um, and I think for the most part, people work in spaces that are predominantly white and so mm -hmm. as a person of color working in a predominantly white space, like that is trauma within itself. Um, and so having a therapist is so important to like talk through that. I would say from my perspective as someone who um, had a really tough coming out process and who like um, cut ties with their family, mm -hmm. it's been, oh my gosh, it's been eight years, seven, eight years. Like I still sometimes cry to my therapist about it where I'm like, I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe that like, you know, I'm, I'm sad about this. Like, I can't believe that I don't have a mom, right. That I can like go to. And mm -hmm. sometimes I feel really dumb about going to that, going about that to Jess or to some of my friends. But when I go to my therapist, I'm like, okay, I just needed to like unload that. And I, now I can move about my day. I'm good. Good. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to just have that, that person. Right. Just being given this space to to go through all of that, because sometimes you don't even realize it. Right. And mm -hmm. then you go and sit down, and you talk about it and you're like, dang, like this is some deep stuff that I need to work through. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for sharing for sharing that with us, because I'm, I'm sure there are other folks who have had um, similar experiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so I hope that by this point that everyone's listening, they're like, I need to go to therapy. Like I need to find a therapist tonight. Like I need to schedule this appointment for tomorrow at 8 a.m. What sure time do you people, open? Put me in your first slot. I'll make it work. People are going to do that. Um, for sure. So let's, let's help them. So, uh, I want to talk, Carleen, from your perspective, like where people should start if they want to explore therapy. So first I want to talk about like, what are some things that people can go into therapy for? Because there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So what are some things that people can go into therapy for? Anything. Like, seriously. There, I mean, you don't want to just go to therapy without, you know, a specific goal. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be in the middle of, like, an existential crisis to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. You, It could be life changes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, relationship concerns. Um, 
job concerns, racism, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, like it, yep. it can, it, it can be, you know, a variety of reasons. Um, just someone to help you process uh, difficult situations, having that, I, I feel like it's a safety net almost mm-hmm. um, so that we don't always have to rely on the people that we love um, to always unload on them. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's important to have sort of a professional person who's able to, to hold that space for you. And I think it's important to say that you don't have to be at a point of crises because I think a lot of people wait till they're in that point where like, Oh my God, I need to make a decision. I'm freaking out versus being like, Hey, I just moved in with my partner and I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I've never lived with anyone before. Let me go speak to somebody to talk through that because maybe that is like a soft point for me and my partner. And I want to know how to like approach them about it. I tell people that all the time when they're like, well, you know, it's not that bad. I'm like, it doesn't have to be that bad. Like let's get ahead of it so that you can understand your feelings because it's deeper than what you think right now. That's surface. That's the stigma of, of that plays into the stigma of like, if I'm in therapy, it must mean that something's really bad. It's also when people go to like marriage counseling or couples therapy, it's like, oh, you're in couples therapy. Are you going to break up? (laughs) It's like, no, we don't want to break up. That's why we're there. We're trying to not get to that point. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, you don't only go to the doctor when like things are falling apart. Right. Right. I like, I I use that example of, of medical care because, um, you know, I tell folks, you don't wait until everything's going wrong to go make a doctor's appointment. Right. You go to do these checkups. You go to make sure that things are okay. Yep. It's like just, you know, to make sure that you're stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that before shit does hit the fan, you're not, you know, just scrambling to figure out what to do because you will, again, we'll get into this a little bit later, but like it can take a long time before you can do yeah. therapists mm-hmm. or a waiting list. And um, and so you don't want to get to the point where it's, it's so, it's too much to bear. You yep. know? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. Cause that's so important. Like you definitely want to try. I, 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 it's like maintenance, same thing, like another yep. corny cliche, but a car, right? You don't get that tune up your car. To the, you got to go get things, uh, get things checked out. So. Yep. Get that oil change. Um, <laughs> gotta get that oil change. Yo, we have a car now. You're all about oil change. I'm like what's the time with what's the, what's the, the speedometer? Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes, you check your speed. Yeah, how many miles? Your odometer. Your odometer. Odometer. Yeah. The speedometer. Yeah. It's not the about spe- how fast you go. The speedometer. Sorry. I'm gonna take the car. It's okay. There's a there's a mechanic out there being like, oh my god, let me email them and give her a free consultation on how different parts of the car. The odometer. Oh. Uh, I'm learning so much. Like an odometer. Um, Jesus. So what's the process of finding a therapist? Yeah. So usually someone who's interested in therapy, um, again, just like want to be patient because this could take some time. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually, and and just to clarify, do you mean like what's the process of looking for somebody or what's the process of looking, of getting started? Both. It could be both. Okay. So let's see. Um, So typically when you're looking for a therapist, um, I would say to... um, again, be patient, but also kind of shop around. Like I was saying earlier, um, there are different like 
websites you can try. I would say start just for practical reasons. Start with your insurance if you have health insurance, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times certain providers don't take certain insurance right. or, you know, um, if it's in network versus out of network, there's mm-hmm. all those things that could be um, barriers. So mm-hmm. starting there um, could be really helpful. A lot of times, like I know my insurance, I can just go in, search for a provider, yep. narrow it down to to the field, um, you know, pick psychology or mental health or whatever, mm-hmm. and yeah. they'll come up with a list of providers in my area. So that's a good place to start. Awesome. And if you don't have insurance? If you don't have insurance, some therapists do take people um, and charge out of pocket and they might have a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. So depending on what you can afford, um, you'll determine that with the with the therapist. Um, some just don't accept um, clients without insurance. But again, you'll have to call like, you know, you have to stay on top of it. You'll have to call, maybe email um, yeah. and figure out, figure that out. Do you know why some therapists rather just take out of pocket versus insurance? Is it just simply because it's a process for them? Because I find that when I was looking for a therapist, um, all the ones that I was looking at were like, yep, out of pocket, no insurance taken. Like there wasn't even a consideration of it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So dealing with insurance companies, as I'm sure you can imagine, is a process. Us. There's mm-hmm. like you have to go through a credentialing process, and certain insurances want to see proof that um, you're meeting the goals, and so it's very like you have to submit um, paperwork. Often, um, I had to do this sometimes at the health center that I worked at mm-hmm. um, because a lot of the people that I saw had um, free care uh, mm-hmm. or Mass Health in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and so they're like, "Oh, if you're getting, you know, if you're getting free care, we want to know like." what are you doing in therapy that's helping you achieve your goals? And so it can be very um, just time consuming um, and make kind of sucks the, the passion out of it. Cause you're just like, Oh man, I have to submit all this paperwork and right. Um, Versus just like people hire. Yeah. Sometimes people hire outside um, insurance management companies and they do all the billing for them. And so it just depends on the, the preference, but, that's probably why a lot of people don't <laughs> accept insurance because it's just a process. Gotcha. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you another question. Before I ask that question, yeah. I want to say, we said this in the first episode of therapy, but I want to remind people, there's lots of therapists out there who will do a free 10 minute consultation with you. So you don't have to just like email someone and be like, put me on your like first appointment. You can talk to them for 10 minutes for free and share with them what your goals are and ask them questions. So what are questions that people should explore before they commit to a therapist? Yeah. Um, I think it going back again, just thinking about what your goals are, like, are you struggling with setting boundaries in your family? Maybe that's something you want to think about, right? Or are you struggling in a relationship Mm -hmm. or are you feeling, um, a lot of anxiety whenever there's um, a specific event happening in your life. Um, just, I would say, jot down some things that you think you would want to work on. Um, and they can be long-term, they can be short-term, but just think about sort of what is it ultimately that you want to achieve? And that can change, right? Mm -hmm. You can go into therapy saying, I really want to work on anxiety and then sit down and maybe you're talking about boundaries because somehow the boundaries are associated with why you feel anxiety. So, um, so yeah, I would say 
that's a good place to start. It doesn't have to be anything like official, but just to get sort of your mind thinking about what your ultimate goals are. Awesome. Um, Mm-hmm. And what are some questions that you think are good for people to ask therapists mm-hmm. um, before they start? Because sometimes I, I ask around like their style for them to explain it a little bit, but I don't yeah, know if that's too yeah. like high level for some or overwhelming for some people because it can be. Right. I mean, that's a good question to ask because some people might really prefer structure. Right. Mm-hmm. They might like some therapists assign homework. That's a specific approach. Right. And so if you don't, if you're not going to do the homework, <laughs> you should probably you know that. want to go to that therapist. Yeah. Right? So, um, so that's a good place to start. Um, kind of what your style is or, um, yeah, that's, I think that's like a good question. I can't think of anything else to be honest, um, that you would want to ask. Aside um, from like, costs and availability and stuff Yeah, because yeah like maybe just logistic stuff probably you know like you said availability but cost sometimes is not even really determined by the therapist it's determined by the insurance and, and co-payments and all of that right um but you know asking do you accept insurance yeah. or not or mm-hmm. um do you have some people have fees if you if you no, no show um so making oh, yeah. sure that you find out about that yeah um, that's a good one but but yeah I would also recommend sorry <laughs> um I would also recommend trying to have sort of an open mind like mm-hmm. I think I'm I can be the type of person who asks lots of questions and wants to know a lot of things ahead of time mm-hmm. but sometimes just like kind of letting go and sorry now we can <laughs> hear you okay. city and there's like always something going on um, <laughs> all good but just sort of like being open about it and and giving it a, a chance and maybe not over I don't want to say over planning but overthinking it and, yeah. and, and asking lots of questions one thing though it's kind of like you know do you specialize let, let's say your concern is uh surrounding um family stuff like do you do you specialize in working with people who have family concerns or trauma? Like if you have, if you've had a lot of trauma, like those specific questions could be helpful. Yeah. Um, But most, and ethically speaking, at least from a social worker standpoint, like if someone came to me and said, I don't know if they asked me if I worked on a specific um, topic or a specific theme, if I didn't, it would be within like my ethical expectations to say, you know, I'm actually not, you know, mm-hmm. specialize in this. Like if a couple wanted, if somebody called me saying they wanted couple therapy, I'm not specialized in couple therapy. So I would refer you out. Yeah. Um, but that sometimes can fall on, on the therapist, right? Like I'm not, I can't do something that I'm not specialized to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Copy. I like that you brought that up because I've, I've always asked if, um, the therapists that I've gone to, if they've worked particularly with like um, people within the LGBTQ community and if they mm. specialize in that, because for me, it's important not to have to explain certain things. Mm-hmm. It's it's important mm-hmm. for me to talk about my experience and for you to have the broader context of like what's going on within the community and like how, like just understanding the the trials and tribulations that people go through. So that's been mm-hmm. important for me. 
And this is like super elementary and like kind of corny, but I ask it all the time anyway. I tell my, this might be for whoever wants to receive it. I really like um, handouts and frameworks. That's really important mm-hmm. for me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I ask, um, I'll ask the the therapist if, if, I mean, I don't know what, what style of therapy that is, right? So I just say like, I really like frameworks, handouts, like I'm trying to build a toolkit for like my healing. So is that something that aligns with your style of, of therapy? And yeah. then they might laugh and be like, ah, you're a baby and tell me like what they actually do. But I ask in a way to get to what I want. Like when I'm seeing, I'm not expecting my therapist to give me a handout every time, but I'm a person that likes frameworks so I can practice those mm-hmm. things. So if we're just going to like, talk all the time it's not going to be as helpful as if we talk and then you're like okay let me show you a handout of of a framework that might be helpful yeah leave it to the straight a student to want more homework (laughs) you realize that's why you want it so it's funny you want homework i want to get an a i want to get an a um that's actually one of the things i'm working on in therapy is not chasing the a yes okay um so you know i'm not always trying to get an a anymore but it's funny because self-awareness self-awareness is so key uh in a in a therapy session one of the like a therapist was like you know, I don't want to give homework. And I was like, no, give me the homework. If it's going to accelerate my healing, give me the handout. And she's like, calm down. Um. It's so funny because in my experience, whenever I did try to like give anyone homework, like, no, didn't do it. <laughs> oh, stuff does extra credit. <laughs> well, it's just, it's good homework. That's a good, that's a good um, thing that you bring up because a good point you bring up because that is something important to explore. If you really need structure, right? Like I was saying earlier, then that's something that you want to explore um, with with the therapist and ask, like you said, for that 10, 15 minute consultation, what is it that you need? Like think about what is it that you need in a relationship? Because it is pre- it is a relationship. It's a type yeah. of relationship. Um, and so if you need someone to be structured, if you need something to read, something to take with you, um, if you need it to just be a space where you could just talk about whatever like you need to make that known um that's also what happens in the first session too because it's it's a tricky it's sort of a tricky balance because like I was saying earlier you kind of want to be open-minded um and like give it a chance because you could easily just like go through everyone and be like well they didn't give me homework so well I'm not going anymore and then like you're just ending up like what are you really trying to do here so yep giving giving it a chance and expressing that, like I said earlier too, like, you know, I really would like find it helpful if you gave me some worksheets. We all, like all therapists have access to some kind of mm-hmm. um, worksheet or template or we can create one. Yep. So, you know, we're here to support you. And so that's why it's important for you to be, um, to advocate for your needs yep. um, and not just kind of wait because, you know, I'm just wait. You're, you're, the ball is in your court pretty much. Yeah. You know? It's it's so important that you said that about flexibility and keeping an open mind. And just to provide a concrete example for people, like I have seen therapists where I have like mentioned that and they hadn't given me like a handout or a framework for like until like two months into therapy. But I felt okay with that because mm-hmm. I felt that there were other things that we were doing in therapy that were really helpful and they didn't necessarily require a handout or a framework. Exactly. And I trusted, yeah, I trusted my therapist and knowing that like, it, it perhaps wasn't the time for a handout, what I needed. It, it might've been, what I needed maybe was just to like 
express something out loud and get their validation. Exactly, exactly. And the way I describe, I'm really big on like corny little um, (laughs) comparisons. So the way I describe therapy is like, okay, you're in the driver's seat. I'm the GPS, right? Like you're going to put in the destination that you want to get to. Mm -hmm. You might not follow my instructions. You might you know, take different turns. I'll help you reroute along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and you might not decide to go to the end destination and start from the beginning, but I'm not here to kind of tell you what to do. I can make recommendations. um, And it's up to you to do that. And, and, you know, if I'm giving you handouts for like two weeks into therapy and that's not where you are, I'm not doing my job as a therapist by meeting you where you are. Right. Right. Like if there's a crisis, we're going to address the crisis. Um, but you have to be flexible and and open-minded as well. Right. Right. So I love that analogy. Your Google maps is what you're saying. Um, she could be ways, ways, (laughs) ways sometimes is a little crazy. (laughs) I'm Apple Maps. Google Maps. I'm not gonna be Apple Maps. Apple Maps. <laughs> yeah. Doing that. Yeah, yeah. No. Are there but like, maps? but like no tolls, right? Because I don't go the tolls route. <laughs> I go rogue, <laughs> but then I come back on course. <laughs> you could tell me what your, you know, non-negotiables are. That's another thing that that I ask folks. Like, is there anything you're like, this does not work for me. I do not do worksheets or mm-hmm. I do not like talking about my past. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you come to me, like, I don't want to talk about my past. Okay. What's going on right now? How can we talk about here from, yep. from, from here on out? You know what I mean? So it, it, again, it's like, it's not a science. It's really like an art. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it, it really depends on who's sitting in front of me, what their needs are. And I do have the professional background and the training to pick up on certain things. But again, you are in the driver's seat. Um, I'm just kind of helping guide you, but ultimately you're the one driving. So Yeah. I love that. And you can go tolls, yeah. no tolls. Jess is like, just no tolls, to- 30 minutes, add it to the commute. Okay. <laughs> no, it was like 30 minutes. We've taken tolls, but you know. sometimes you know sometimes I might also say well like is that something that you really think is going to like help you right now and Mm -hmm. and and you make the decision but I am highlighting that maybe I noticed that Mm -hmm. you know you might want to you might want to take a different route because there's traffic over here yeah yeah. take the traffic route if you want you know right you gotta quote these yeah these are so good (laughs) that's a great analogy we'll use this as the teaser yeah (laughs) i love that yeah it's so good um thank you so much carlene for coming on i learned so much i'm sure the listeners will be learning so much or are learning as they're listening to this so much as well so i really appreciate you dropping that knowledge um on all of us Um, is there any like parting words that you would love to leave the the listeners with or are there any parting words? I don't know if it was grammatically correct, but you get the point. Yeah, I would, again, just really encourage folks to, um, to consider going to therapy, especially right now. We're just in the middle of a shit storm, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it plainly in the mm-hmm. world, especially if you are a black person or if you identify as trans, or Mm -hmm. if you have struggled with COVID, um, it's like, you just check off all the things that have gone wrong this year. But um, 
I, I really think it's important. Our lives have changed so dramatically this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it could be really helpful to, to have someone to process that with mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and give it a chance. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Any yeah. any of like your favorite Instagram therapist? Therapists? <laughs> I have so many. Oh, so listen, <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm gonna pronounce her name, her last name correctly, but it's Nedra Tawab. Uh-huh. Um, yes, she's good. Yep. Yo, let me tell you when I'd be like, okay, I need this for myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I legit used to like take her, take her stuff from Instagram, blow it up and like put it on my wall in my office. And people like, I used to point to it and be like, yeah, um, she just drops really good gems. Um, really, really great gems. Um, and then I know that you guys had asked about like, uh, places that people could find therapists maybe. Um, so InnoPsych is a really great website. InnoPsych? Um, I, I N N O. P-S-Y-C-H. Um, it's a database that you can look up therapists of color in your in your state. Oh, that's amazing. And so so therapists sign up to be a part of the database. Um, and then they list whether or not they're taking new patient or new clients, mm-hmm. um, insurance stuff. So like the practical things that you might be wondering about. Um, and then it's specifically dedicated for therapists of color, which is awesome. That's awesome. That's um, incredible. Yeah. And then Therapy for Black Girls, they have a podcast and a Twitter, and I think they have an Instagram, um, but just exploring some of the, yeah. the, the topics that come up for women of color um, and uh, how to find a therapist and that kind of thing. So Nice. Yeah, those are good ones. I've, I've listened to them too, so... I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm checked off. I got my A today you your from a? this podcast. Okay, okay. I love it. Step your game up. Congratulations on your A. I am gonna email my former therapists and tell them to sign up for InnoPsych. Like, hey, could you just put your name on there for other people. Yeah, and I I think it's free. I don't think I have to like. I don't think I have to pay a membership or anything like that because I know some websites. Yeah, you have to pay. Uh, Psychology Today is also like a good place to start too. If you're just yeah. like, I just want to start from the you know from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll do profiles on people, so that's a good place to start. Awesome, Amazing. these yeah. are great. Thank you so much. This has been so yeah. awesome. I feel like I've learned so much, and I've been in therapy for a long time. So I really appreciate you coming on and just being vulnerable, being transparent, dropping all the great analogies. <laughs> um, it's been great. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's It really means a lot when people want to know, like I get really excited when people want to know more about mental health and, and, um, and what it takes to, you know, find a therapist. I think it's so important to destigmatize it mm-hmm. um, and to increase access to this information because for a long time, like there was really limited access to folks. Like you really had to ask around word of mouth and stuff like that. So now it's, I'm glad that it's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I guess the next time someone asks you, just point them to this episode so that they can listen (laughs) to it. (laughs) I literally do that now. My, like I have people ask me, all right, where do I start with therapy? I'm like, go listen to Trish chat and then call me and we can talk about it. Because it just, which is so awesome. Yeah, I think it's just better when you're alone and you're able to process things and then come back with some questions. And it can be a productive conversation versus me talking at you in a with a lot because it could be a lot. Yeah. So, and and for me, whenever like 
vulnerability is huge because a lot of times it's shame that we feel and the reason why we don't disclose certain things. And so when we kind of take that shame away and we open ourselves up, you could be literally saving somebody's life. Like just by, by, you know, lifting that, that weight that for Mm. whatever reason still exists around seeking therapy and support. Um, But this conversation is so important. So thank you guys for creating the platform to have this conversation and for reaching out uh, for us to, to of chat. course thank you so much carlene for coming on we really appreciate it um yeah. it was really <laughs> awesome and i'm sure we'll have you back because therapy is something that you can talk about for so long there's so many topics to explore but thank you so much for for dropping so much knowledge yeah we Thanks appreciate so it thank you thank you all right till next time bye peace bye.